0: Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword New Song. And now, check out our message
1: of the week. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right. Come on, everybody. You can do better than that. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? All right. There you are. There you are. We're going to hit a a topic today that really applies to all of us as we go through this series, Lesson Learned. This is installment number two in this series, and we're talking about people in the Bible that learned a, a lesson many of them the hard way, and that we can learn lessons from them so that we don't have to learn lessons the hard way. And today's topic is anger, and the person that we're going to be looking at is Moses. So if, if, um, uh, if there's people in this room that obviously you, you deal with anger, this, this, I want you to listen up because this really applies to you. And then there's some other people in this room, you're like, well, really, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever really dealt with anger. I don't think I've ever been angry, really. Um, can I, let, let me ask you a few questions, um, and, and don't show your hands necessarily. I don't want you to show your hands, but if you say, I'm, I don't know that I've ever dealt with anger, how many of you, without a show of hands, have ever been two years old? You've ever been two? You've dealt with anger. Uh, how many have ever been a teenager? You've, how many of our parents of teenagers? Is You've dealt with anger. How many married people do we have in the room? is you've dealt with anger. If you just have children, you've, no matter their age, you've dealt with... I mean, come on, everybody. Anger is something that we all deal with to some extent, some more than others, some more than others. Now, this is a topic in my life that, I, that I, I'll tell you, God has delivered me from really a spirit of anger in my life. Um, I have not dealt with anger for, for years and years and years now because God just supernaturally ripped that out of my life. Uh, but I also, every now and then, you know, even when God takes things away from you, how many know that the devil loves to try to put it right back? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like God will take something out of you. He'll deliver you from something. The devil's right there to say, no, I'm going to put that back. I liked it where it was. Well, God doesn't like it there. You don't like it there. But the devil tries to put it back. And, and, and so the devil was trying to do that in me. And I learned a lot of ways on how to, on how to handle anger, how to deal with anger, but to do it the right way. And today, we're all going to learn some lessons from the life of Moses. Now, before we go any further, I'm going to tell you right up front, there's usually, everybody agrees, these are kind of counseling terms that we use for those we counsel with. Um, there's usually two ways that people handle anger in their life. And the two key words that we use are spew and stew. Spew and stew. If, if, and you know, if you're a spewer... You know it. And by the way, you're, you're not the only one that knows it. Everybody else around you knows it too. Because when you get angry, you just it just spews out of you. It, it just comes out very, very quickly. And everybody, like when you're upset, everybody knows that you're upset. But there are some people, in fact, um, men are typically more of the spewers, although not all the time. And and typically, ladies are the stewers. So they'll, they'll have an anger moment. And they'll just kind of hold it. And then they'll get angry again and they'll hold it. They'll just let it stew inside of them. But how many knows if you let a pot stew, if eventually it'll, it's going to boil. It's going it's to erupt, everybody. It's like, a, it's like a volcano. That's what anger is to a lot of people. It just stews in them. It stays in and they keep adding to it and adding to it. And all of a sudden, the volcano erupts and it goes. And, and I, So let me say it this way. All of you stewers eventually become spewers right how how many you're already nudging somebody next to you saying that's you because i'm i'm looking at it all across the room i'm seeing it all across the room like some of some of you are not admitting it and, and others are admitting it for you and um i i want you to know i was actually both i was a stewer and a spewer like I would I would spew sometimes the anger would just come out and then i I try to manage it so I would hold it in, but then I would just let it stew and then it, eventually it would boil over it would just come out anyway and um, I'll tell you God wants to deliver you from from your anger and he wants you to learn a lesson today that Moses had to learn the hard way but our my, one of my jobs as a pastor as your pastor as a teacher here is is to help you in your life, not to have to learn those lessons the hard way, but just to learn the lesson and, and be changed by the power of God, the presence of God, and never have to deal with the consequences of the sin that would so easily entangle us, right? That would easily ensnare us. And so I, I'm going to tell you about the life of Moses before we go to N- Numbers chapter 20. I, I'm going to talk to you about Moses' anger problem before we get to this portion of Scripture. Moses is one of the most recognized names in, all, names in all of the Bible. In fact, I would tell you he's probably top three, top three. Jesus, of course, being the famous one of the Bible. The whole Bible points to Jesus. David, King David, was another, is another big name in the Bible, and Moses is right up there. In fact, his name is mentioned in the Bible far more than 700 times. He's just in it over and over and over again, and Moses is actually a hero of the faith. He really is a hero of the faith. He's he's a giant in the faith. But Moses had a problem with anger. And it doesn't take us very long into Moses' story for us to know that he has this issue in his life because one day he's he's still under um he's still living in the house of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter as you know Moses was raised there and so he goes out one day and he sees that one of the Hebrews which is what he really was was being abused by an Egyptian. Well, Moses, in an act of fury, not only separates the fight, but jumps in the fight, takes on the Egyptian, and actually kills him. Like Moses became a murderer. Why? Because of anger. No doubt, Moses, you'll see, he's not a stewer; he's a spewer is just going to come out in his life. That was one of his first acts of anger. Then uh, another outbreak occurred about 40 years later. Remember um, the story that the the Israelites were in, in Egyptian slavery, and God wanted to deliver them out of slavery. So God raised up a man. Moses said, Moses, I want you to go in and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And before Moses actually went to Pharaoh, God told Moses, hey, Moses, Pharaoh's heart is going to be hardened, and, and this is what's going to happen when he says no. When he says, no, I'm not going to let him go, well, there's going to be a plague that shows up. So Moses goes in, and he does his job, and he talks to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, and Pharaoh says no, and then a plague comes, and then he does it again, then another plague comes, he does it again, another plague comes, and then we pick up in, in the book of Exodus The Bible says that this is really around the 10th plague, if not the 10th plague. And the Bible says that Moses was having this conversation. Exodus 11 verse 8 says, he went out, Moses went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. In hot anger, he was furious that Pharaoh would not let the Israelites leave. But God had already told Moses, Moses, Pharaoh's going to say no. Like, you're going to get turned down. So Moses already knew the outcome before it actually happened, and he goes in there, and Pharaoh says no, and Moses gets mad anyway. In fact, doesn't just say that he was angry. He said, the Bible says that he went out in hot anger. Let me say it like this. He went out in a rage. In a rage, why? Because he had an anger problem. He had an anger problem. It's not the only time that he got mad. One of the, the next expressions of anger in Moses' life um, was just a few man, months after that, he, he, after that event occurred. He's, he's having this extraordinary time up on Mount Sinai with the Lord. So much so, it's such a supernatural time that, that God creates these two tablets, tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments on them and inscribes God inscribes those stones with his own finger. Think about that. So Moses takes these tablets, these stones, and he's walking down Mount Sinai, and these have been touched by God himself, written on by God himself. Let me ask you a question. What did that language look like? Like, What did that writing, what does, what does God's penmanship look like? You ever thought about that? Moses knew. He was holding God's penmanship in his hands. And he gets down the mountain and he sees the Israelites. And what are they doing? They're having a party and it was a sinful one. Because we have children in the room. I won't tell you everything that they were doing, but it was bad. And they were dancing, partying around a golden calf. And Moses gets so angry that he takes those tablets and he throws them down. And they break. Would 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 you do that with something that God wrote on? If God wrote on a piece of paper, do you, do you think that you would casually take that and wad it up and throw it down? Well, we'd say no. I'd never do that. I'd frame it. You know. I'd. Well, how many know Moses had an anger problem? He just had an anger problem. And, and by the way, um, the the next set of tablets. It, God made God made Moses write them himself. Did you know that? Like I said, okay, now it's your turn. I did it once, but you broke them. Now it's your turn. You've, you've got to write on them. And of course, Moses did. So Moses, we see over and over and over again in Scripture that Moses had an anger problem. Let's go to Numbers chapter twenty, and this is this is another expression of Moses' anger, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Verse one, Numbers twenty. In the first month, the the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Now, there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Now, how many know? Stop right there. How many know that when, that when people gather in opposition to you, it's going to put you in a bad mood, right? I mean, that's just normal. Like, think about this. Some of you have actually been in this situation where maybe you 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 weren't well-liked at work for whatever reason. People just didn't like you. Maybe it was even because you're a Christian. All of a sudden, uh, uh, people start gathering in opposition to you. They have a plan to to get you, and it's not a good plan. It's a bad one. That would really, really bother you. And And here, this is happening to Moses. But it's not happening with five or ten people. It's happening with tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people. They are opposing Moses and Aaron. Verse 3, they quarreled with Moses and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. So Moses and Aaron, having been opposed, they went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting, and they fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Now, so far, everybody, we'll stop right there. So far, so good. People were standing in opposition to Moses, And Moses must have looked at Aaron and said, Aaron, buddy, we got to go to church, man. We got to pray because this isn't looking good. So far, so good, right? In fact, the glory of the Lord showed up and appeared to them. Verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together and speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. Now, stop right there again. How many, how many know, you can see this in Scripture, that in the middle of Moses' anger, in the middle of this opposition, that God had a plan? Do you see that, yes or no? God had a plan. It was going to be Okay. Things were going to work out. God obviously showed up. His glory showed up. And not only his glory, but his wisdom showed up and says, don't worry about it. I've got a plan. Now, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Wait, wait, wait. Stop right there. This is going the wrong way. Because Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he starts speaking to the people that are opposing him. He takes God's plan and he he shelves it and says, I got a different plan. Let me talk to these people. And he says, listen, you rebels. You know what he's saying in today's vernacular? Hey, jerks. Some of you might word that a little differently, had this been you. how many know what I'm talking about. But that's exactly what's happening. You say, hey, you jerks. Like, why are you opposing me? Why are you opposing God? God brought you out of slavery. Why are you so mad? You You don't deserve to be like this. Why don't you all just calm down, get a hold of yourself. Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Whoa, 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 what what happened here? God said, no, speak to the rock. But again, Moses shelved God's plan, and he went to calling them names and then saying, it's not God that's going to do this. It's me that's going to do this. I've got the power to bring water out of this rock. Must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm, and he struck the rock twice, with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drink. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, "Because you did not trust in me to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them." Now now watch what happens here. You say, "What's the big deal? Because it was Moses' job to take the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery all the way into the promised land, and he gets to a moment in his life, and his anger gets the best of him, and God says, you know what? I know you're supposed to bring the Israelites into the promised land, but you're not going to do that. I'm not going to let you. You're not going to go in. And we find that to be true. Did you know that? That that Moses actually died before entering into the promised land, and he handed that job to Joshua. Joshua to say it's your job now to take these people into the promised land. So Moses doesn't get to enjoy what God said he originally would get to enjoy. Why? Because he had an anger problem. Can I tell you something? You'll never get to enjoy the life that God wants you to enjoy as long as you continue to have an anger problem. And I'm going I'm I'm to help you understand that today and know what to do about it. Why was God so angry? Why why did this bother God so much? And, And God gives the answer. He says, because you, Moses, did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of these Israelites. Like Moses, had you just spoke to the rock like I told you to, God said, I would have received all of the glory. But in this moment, when you called them names and you said, Must we bring water out of this rock? And then you struck the rock. All of the glory went to you. All of the glory went to you. They looked at you, Moses, as their source of help instead of looking at me. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. Let's do something, everybody. This is just a side note. Let's just. uh, Let's just live our life, and we say this every week around here. At some point during the morning, I'll say it like this. Let's just live our lives for the glory of the Lord. Let's just, let's just live our lives to glorify our heavenly Father. The Bible says it this way in the Psalms, Not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory. But Moses said, Not today. Not today. I'm going to teach these people a lesson because, God, they really need to be taught this lesson. And God said, no, that's my job to do that. You shouldn't have gotten involved. But he did. He did. He tried to solve something on his own. Let me teach you something about um, about your anger and dealing with anger. Letter A, write this down. Anger is always accompanied by misery always let, let me say it this way angry people are always miserable people now i don't mean they're miserable as as in you don't as, as in they're not worthy of love or that you don't love them i'm just saying personally they're they're just miserable they're miserable on the inside Angry people are just miserable people, and not only that, but they make people around them miserable. Because let's face it, everybody, if you're around an angry person all day long, you're not having a very good day, are you? Because miserable people make other people miserable. It's just the way that it works. And here's a fact that you need to realize, that first of all, if you're the angry person, it's miserable, isn't it? And if you're the angry person, you're making other people miserable. And in fact, people that you love, people that, people that you care for, people that you, you gave your life to in marriage, you made a covenant with them, and you're making them miserable. And I know you don't want to do that. You don't want to live a miserable life, and you don't want to make other people miserable. You say, well, yeah, I don't want to live that life. Okay, well, you've got an anger problem. We've got to deal with that today. Letter B, write this down. That the typical problem with anger is actually not anger itself. The typical problem with my anger is my response to it. The typical problem with anger is my response to anger. the The Bible says lots of things. One of the things that it says is, "In your anger, don't sin." Like in your anger, don't have a bad response. The Bible also says that that. If if you're angry, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like you gotta deal with that. Like you, you, you gotta confront it. You gotta solve those problems that it's not good to stay angry. And you need to deal with that sooner rather than later. And so the Bible says over and over again that, hey, there's gonna be there are going to be days in which you get angry. Every single person in this room at some point is going to be angry, some more than others, no doubt. But in your anger, don't sin. In your anger, learn to deal with it the right way and deal with it sooner rather than later. So the problem isn't, isn't anger. In fact, can I tell you something? Jesus got angry, but in his anger, he did not sin. One of the greatest stories that's talked about the most concerning Jesus' anger is, remember, when he goes into the temple and and he gets really, really upset because he they turned the 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 temple, into a market, and they were selling things, and they were making profit off of what was supposed to be honorable to God. It became very dishonorable, and the temple was filled with dishonorable people, and Jesus goes in, and he gets really, really angry, and the Bible says in one of those, in one of the gospels that Jesus, now watch this, everybody, you might not have caught this before, that Jesus actually left the temple, and he goes, and he sits down, and he makes a whip he doesn't borrow a whip from somebody because the Bible says he does he takes this whip and he drives out the money changers how many know that that's in the Bible did you know it's in the Bible that he actually went out and made the whip somebody's got to teach those guys a lesson and he's angry he's like oh is he sinning no you know you know why he's not sinning in that moment so he goes in there and he said no this is this is my father's house this is it, which is also saying, especially in that context, in that generation, in that era, this is my house. If it belongs to the father, it belongs to me, and you're not supposed to be in here. So, so let me ask you this: If you go home today from lunch, and and somebody's in your house, that's not going to sit well with you, is it? What are you going to do? You're going to. I promise you, you're going to drive them out. Um, some of you are checking your for your personal firearm right now, just to make sure you got it on you, right? As you know, they're not welcome there. And, and would anybody look at you today and say, oh, well, you sinned. When you drove them out of your house, that was a sin. No, we'd always say, good job. That's the right thing to do. They were not supposed to be there. And that was Jesus. Jesus said, hey, they were in, they were in my house and they weren't supposed to be there. So I drove them out. But in his anger, he still didn't sin. In fact, he did something that was very appropriate in the moment. And we have to be responsible for our response. So the problem with anger isn't isn't really the anger. It's actually my response to it. James 1, 19 and 20 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should, should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And we're all sitting here saying, yeah, we know that. Okay, I get it. That's easy to understand, but watch this. So because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Oh, oh yeah. Meaning meaning your response in your humanity, we could say it this way, old, old school Christianity here, in your flesh, in your sinful nature, in your humanity, if you don't respond the way that God wants you to respond, the Bible says that that's really sinful. And your response is critical when you get angry. And God is expecting a good response from you in your anger, that it's not a sinful one, but an appropriate response. Let me help you out some more. Let her see. Anger can produce sin. That's what we're saying. Anger can produce sin, but it can also produce solutions. It can also produce solutions. Let Let me say it like this, new song. When something is wrong in the world and you look around and you're like, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be happening. That's just not right that somebody's doing this. And you get angry about it, then that anger can either produce sin or it can produce a solution. One, one of the heroes, and you know this full well, everybody, one of my heroes in the faith that's been here several times, a new song, is David Grant, the founder of Project Rescue. He was just here a few months ago in November. We, we gave him a check that day of 45000 uh, dollars to go help build a home of hope in India. And he's just one of my, I mean, he's just one of my heroes. And he still calls me. In fact, he called me about a week and a half ago just to see how we were doing. And I'm like, man, my ministry, I feel I really feel this like part of me says, my ministry doesn't even compare to your ministry. Why are you concerned about a little guy in Plymouth, Indiana? Well, a big guy. In Plymouth, Indiana. Like, why are you concerned about me? But he's just so, he, he's so passionate about ministry in general and really about people. But he, he knew something was happening that that little girls, as he was a missionary in India, in, in India, that little girls were being stolen and trafficked into sex slavery as young as three and four and five years old and little boys. And it made him angry. Who would hurt these little children? Who would hurt these little ones? But instead of sinning, it didn't produce sin in his life. It actually produced a solution. Somebody's got to rescue those little boys and girls. In his anger, he started solving a problem. Do you see the difference? His anger actually pushed him towards righteousness and not towards sin. And that's the way we're meant to handle anger. It can either produce a sin or it could produce a solution. So before I go any further, let me give you another example of that. Let's say that there's a, a husband and wife here in the room and you're just, you're just clashing all the time. And that's, that's gonna, it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to produce sin or it's going to produce a solution. And if you can't solve that on your own and, and your anger is getting bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper, can I tell you something? Don't don't turn towards sin, turn towards the solution. That's when you need to go find somebody and say, you know what, pastor, we're having a problem. We're just clashing. We need some help. Can you help us solve this and invite somebody into that conversation? That way, you focus on the solution and you you don't run towards the sin that's associated with your anger, which could lead, by the way, from anger, to bitterness, from bitterness to rage, and from rage to unforgiveness. And when you get to the point of unforgiveness, you got some big problems on your hand. Not only between you and whoever it is, but between you and God, right? The Bible says if you can't forgive somebody else, I'm gonna have trouble forgiving you. That's an issue. How many know what I'm talking about? So anger needs to push us towards solutions, not towards Sin. So the lessons that we can learn from Moses, here they are. The first several are very quick. My response is my responsibility. You've heard me say this a thousand times, new song. That my response is my responsibility. Proverbs 19:11 says it this way: a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense meaning this when you respond the right way God sees he knows and he rewards in fact God looks at you when you overlook an offense and when you take when you when you realize that your response is your responsibility so so And instead of expecting them to respond a certain way, you've just decided whatever their response is, I'm going to do what's right. God looks at you and says, good job. Good job. He smiles down at you. He says, good job. A lot of you are waiting for the the right response from somebody else before you'll give the right response. And you need to stop focusing on their response. Because their response is not your responsibility. Their response is not your responsibility. Only yours is. They've got to answer to God, just like you have to answer to God. Everybody with me? Okay, number two. My response should not be a reaction. I, I, I have told at least five people that this past week alone. At least five people. That their response should be a response and not a reaction. And there's a huge difference between a re- reaction and a response. Proverbs 29, says it this way. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You know what foolish people do when they get mad? Here's what fools do when they get mad. <laughs> full vent to their rage. Well, they just needed it and they, they deserved it. And I've got an opinion about this and what's I get to share what I'm going through and nobody ever listens to me and You know what the Bible says about you? That's just foolish. That that's just foolish. You know what God wants from you? From now on, he doesn't want your reaction. He wants your response. He doesn't want your reaction. He, he knows in your flesh, in your humanity, in your sinful nature, he knows what your reaction will be, but he wants to see the divine at work in your life. He wants to see his presence of power and his word at work in your life. And so he's going to re- expect a response from you and not a reaction. And a response a response is totally different. A reaction says, this is what I'm feeling right now. And you're going to let it out. A response is, I'm, I, I, need to, I need to slow this thing down a little bit. Because I want to I respond with wisdom because wisdom, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 11, brings calm. It actually brings calm. Let me say it this way. If reactions, if reactions are foolish, then responses are wise. And we need to learn to respond. I'll teach you that in just a second. I'll go into that a little bit more. Number three, my response should be refreshing, refreshing. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And we can look at that and say, yeah, obviously we need to. But watch this, it goes further. Instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you, you know what God is saying there right, 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 now, right here to us? He, he's saying, listen, I want you to live a life that's refreshing to others. When they expect a reaction, I want you to, when they expect a reaction in anger, I want you to, to react, or I should say respond, because it's going to be a choice, with kindness and compassion and forgiveness. And they'll walk away and say, whoa. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. And all of a sudden, the environment that you're in will become refreshing. You'll you'll live your life to refresh others when you choose kindness and compassion and forgiveness. The Bible says it so clearly. If you've got an anger problem, you've got to learn something. And and this is what, again, I've told you a lot of times, but it's true. If you don't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. If you don't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. And if you don't learn to control the bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and every form of malice, then those things are going to control you. And by the way, it's make, they're going to make your life miserable, and they'll make others miserable around you. So don't live life like that. Don't live in misery. You don't have to live in misery. In fact, Jesus said, I don't want you to live a miserable life. I want you to live a life of abundance, a life of joy. And in order to do that, you've got to learn to respond and not react, and you've got to learn to be refreshing in your responses. Refreshing in your responses. Jennifer and I have been working on something for many, many years now, and we learned it from Dr. Emerson Egrich. He does a um, a, a, a marriage conference called Love and Respect. One of the greatest teachers I've ever... In fact, we're going to have a Love and Respect small group this coming fall. Um, and in it, uh, they talk about how, how to how to have conversations that aren't harsh. Meaning, my my wife and I, and we're still learning this, we don't get it perfect all the time, but we're doing way better than we used to do. If I find my wife being like... I better, I better reverse this illustration right now. Whoo <laughs> man! If I'm being really snippy for a day, if I'm having a bad day, my my wife has one one of two options. She can either come to me and jump on me and say, "You're having a really bad day. And you need to stop it." Let me ask you a question: Is that going to help me? No, it's not. And why do we think that yelling is going to stop people from yelling? Why do we think that anger is going to stop somebody else from being angry? But kindness and compassion and forgiveness will. So, so if I'm having a bad day, my my wife knows how to use verbiage that's this different that we learned from Dr. Emerson Egrich, where, where we'll say things like, you know what? It just feels like, it feels like you're having a bad day. It, it feels like something's wrong. Hey, what's going on? How can I help? How can I help? And usually then that response for me is not in anger. It's, ah, you're right. I've just been dealing with this and this and this, and I got this on my head and, and my mind, and I got to do this and this. And my wife will say, and she does this all the time, well, let me help you. What can I take from you? Because she doesn't want me to live in misery. And, and so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm stewing these, these things are being stewed in me. You know what I mean? I'm being snipped. I'm not telling her everything. And she finally says, well, I can feel that something's wrong. Hey, why don't you let me in? Why don't you let me help? What can I do to help? If, 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 If we have those type of conversations, we just learn to verbalize them in a way that says, hey, it feels to me that, it feels to me like you're, what can I do to help? Is there something that you need from me? Or it feels like you're mad at me. Have I done something? If so, let me know, and I'll own up to it. It feels like I've I must have hurt your feelings. Have I done that? And a lot of times, the answer is yeah, actually you did. Oh well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I I, would, I wouldn't purposely hurt your feelings. Would you forgive me? And the answer, and you see how that offsets it? it? It all of a sudden there's no there's no argument, because we just handled it in a way that was refreshing, that was refreshing. Everybody see that? It takes some discipline to get there, new song. It takes some discipline to get there because your emotions will not want you to respond like that. Your emotions will want you to respond in anger, but that's not the way God wants you to respond. Number four, and this is the last one today, and if you get nothing else, get this point. Number four, my response to conflict, to something that causes anger in my life, my response must be to drop it, to delay it, and to deal with it. Now, I'm going to break this down to you in just a second, but go ahead and write those things down, and then I want you to put your sermon notes away. That way can, we can just concentrate here on the end just for the next few minutes about what God would have from us, and I'm going to, I'm going to explain these three things to you very quickly. If you, if you, especially if you deal with anger on a regular basis in this room, listen up, listen up. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you keys to success right here, right now, that are life-changing if you listen. If you listen. Your response to conflict must be to drop it, delay it, or deal with it. Number one, drop it. Proverbs, Proverbs 17, 14. It's in your notes. You can look it up later. Starting a fight or starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. And you know what happens when a dam breaks? It gets really messy. It gets really messy. And by the way, it's practically unstoppable at that point, isn't it? So starting a fight is like a, is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. So just, everybody, new song, new song, new song. If you've got an anger problem and somebody just bothers you, just drop it. Because if you don't, it's like breaching the dam, and things are about to get messy. You know what I'm talking about? So, so did you know, So th- again, this is a great illustration. If, if I'm really snippy, my wife will let that go for two, three, four times. She'll just drop it. It's like, well, apparently, Justin just needs some time, you know, so she'll just drop it. And after two or three or four times, if, if I'm continually just a little on edge, that's when she'll come to me and say, hey, listen, it just feels like you're having a really rough day. What's wrong? And what can I do to help? Have I done something? She'll just verbalize it in a way that says, I'm here for you. I'm not against you, but I'm for you. So let me in and let me help. And that's when, when she asks that question, that's when I let my guard down and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is this is what happened today. This is the conversation that I have. I'm just not in a good mood. I just don't want to talk about it. And How many know pastors can have some bad days, too? Yeah, we're normal. We're normal. And we, we've learned in our house when things go wrong, if something's, if they're just those small things, just drop them. Don't, don't even just pretend that they didn't have, just drop them. And that'll keep you from an argument. That'll keep you from a really bad day. Okay? But if you if it if it keeps going on though, and you can't drop it anymore, then do this. You gotta delay it. You have to delay it. Proverbs 15, 18, let's read that. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel, calms a fight. Who calms a fight? The one who is patient. So, so new song, you just got to delay some things for a little while. Now, I'm not saying you, you keep stuffing it in and, and stewing, until you spew. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you hold it in forever. I'm just saying delay your reaction. Delay it. Just pause. Stay calm. And then talk about it at the right time. Because patience, the Bible says, calms a fight. But if you're hot-tempered, it stirs up conflict. If you're immediate, if, you're, if you have an immediate reaction and not a delayed reaction, it's going to go bad for you. So you need to drop it. You need to delay it. That way you can act in wisdom and you need to deal with it. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of, one of the things that I've learned from Chris Hodges over the years, who's a pastor in, in Alabama... One of the things that I've learned from Chris Hodges over the years, uh, and he he says this, and it's so true, it's so true, and as soon as he said it, it just made all the sense in the world to me. The Bible says if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, okay? But the Bible also says in James chapter five that we confess our sins to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. So he says it this way, that we go to God for forgiveness, because I don't have the power to forgive. I I mean, not not, I don't have the power to forgive your sins. I can can forgive things in our relationship, but I don't have the power to forgive your sins. Only God can do that. So we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to others for healing. And you know what that means? That, That means that some of you need to go to your spouse today and just say, hey, You know, sugar booger, baby love, whatever you call him him or her. Hey, I got a problem. I promise you, they're going to think in their mind, yeah, I know, (laughs) I know. Just go to them and say, hey, I got a problem. I'm angry. I don't want to be. And before you go any further, just say those words, two words. I'm angry. I'm angry. But then follow it. Before we go any further, dear, will you forgive me? And I promise you, if you ask that in humility, if you come out and just say, you know what, I'm just an angry person, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? They're going to say yes. Now, it might take some time to deal with the issues, but they're going to say yes. You need to confess that to somebody. You need to bring it out in the open because when you expose it, that's when healing takes place. But as long as you continue to let those things stew, it's not going to go well for you. You're just going to live in misery, and nobody wants that. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for you. Your, your, your family members don't want that for you. You say, well, I don't, I don't have a spouse. What do I go to? Well, go to a, a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, somebody that's a mature Christian. If you don't have any people like that you trust, come to us. There are seven, did you know there's seven pastors here at New Song now? seven of us, including Tony. And you can come to any of us and say, you know what, I, I, I struggle with anger. And we're here to help you. If anybody ever wants to meet with me, the answer is always yes, always. Now we might have to work out the schedule, the details, but the answer is always yes. We want to help. So we go to God for forgiveness and we go to others for healing. That's the way it works. That's Let me say it this way, that's God's design. So the altar call today that we're going to have right here, right now, is that we're going to go to God first, and and there's some people in this room that just need to repent, and we're just going to pray that the way that God removed that anger, He literally just ripped it out of my life, that He's going to rip it out of your lives today too, that He'll do the miraculous. So we're going to go to God first, and then the second part of this altar call is actually going to happen when when you're alone with somebody. Maybe it's later today. Maybe you you. In fact, did you know I've already gotten messages. Uh, this very morning, I've already gotten messages from people saying, Pastor, I need to meet with you. Like, I, I, my schedule is already filling up this week with needing to meet with people who probably just have a confession to make, who probably just need to bring it out in the open. So that being said, the second part of this altar call has to happen when you're face-to-face with somebody. just saying, hey, I, there's just something I need to confess. I struggle with anger. Can you help me? And our answer to that is yes. Yes, we can. And we will. Would you stand up with me today? I really feel in my heart, new song, that today's message is a word from the Lord. I feel strongly about that. I've already had so many people just leaving, even the first service, just putting their arms around me and and just in tears especially men, to tell you the truth, just saying, Pastor, I really needed that. That's my issue in life, just angry. I just hugged him back and said, I'm here for you. And you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Better days are ahead. This is just a good word in due season. So let's go to God first. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we come to you very humbly, Knowing who we are and the issues that we have. So before we go any further, God, we're asking this. Forgive me. Forgive me. Not not for the anger as much as my response to it. That I that I did not answer, I have not been answering in a way that brings you glory. In fact, I've been answering in a way that's been hurting people. It's been making life miserable. I've been responding in a sinful way with sinful thoughts and sinful actions and sinful words. God, before I go any further, I'm asking, forgive me, please. And I thank you But now that I've confessed that to you, that you were faithful and just and you have now cleansed me from all unrighteousness, You have washed me clean. And I want to say thank you for that, God. I don't deserve it, but it's an act of your mercy and your grace in my life. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. Thank you. Now I'm also praying, Father, that with your presence and your power, that that spirit of anger would be ripped out of my life, roots and all, And I know it's a supernatural event that needs to happen in my life. It has to be your work. God, I don't have the power to do this on my own, but I recognize today that nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. So Father, rip it out of my life right now. Come on, new song with nobody looking around. This is just a private moment between you and God. If you're asking God to rip anger out of your life, I want you to raise your hand really high. And let's just pray that prayer together. God, I have some anger in my life. Rip it out of my life. Take it out, roots and all. I'm asking you, Father, to deliver me from anger and set me free. And I thank you, Father, with my hand raised. I thank you that it is for freedom that I've been set free. I thank you that I don't have to live in bondage to the flesh but I am a slave of righteousness in Christ Jesus. I thank you that it is your power who strengthens me to do what I need to do in this life, to respond the way that I need to respond. It's your spirit at work within me that causes me to live the life that I'm called to live. And I thank you, Father, for doing this miraculous work in my life, in my heart, in my mind. I thank you, Father. You get all the credit. Now when the devil tries to put it back in, Father, I reject that. And I choose today to continue to walk in freedom. I continue to walk in liberty. That's my choice today, Father. I'm making that decision. I'm going to respond and not react. I'm going to live a refreshing life, one that is kind and compassionate and forgiving. God, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to trust the way that love is supposed to trust. God, I refuse to live a life of misery because you have called me to an abundant, joyful life, and that's the life that I'm choosing today. So do the miraculous in me. Lord, I surrender my life. Take everything out that needs to come out and put your power and your presence and your spirit in my life like never before. And I ask for it, and I declare it as being done in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Amen.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com nextsteps Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.